What do you do when you realize that you're a woman trapped in a man's body? What do you do when you realize the man you married is a woman? In this series, we reflect on our past to discuss how we got here and explore where we can go from this point moving forward. Hi, and welcome to The Rage. My name is Jennifer Termini. And I'm Callista Termini. And today we have Corinne Kobabe. She is a photographer and an author and a very good friend of ours. Welcome, Corinne. Thank you for having me on the podcast today. I've been a great fan and I've listened to every episode. Yay, I love it. So a little bit of backstory with Corinne is that she and I went to the same high school together, but we didn't know each other. Then we got acquainted because I was dating someone that had formerly dated her sister. (laughs) (laughs) And we would run into each other. And I'm like, why are these gaggle of gals constantly coming around you and I? And he would say, well, we're really good friends and they're a fabulous family. And there's no reason why I can't be friends with them. And I thought, okay, cool enough. Good reason. And then um, Corinne and I were happened to be in San Francisco at different times, just visiting friends. And we ran into each other, I think at a bank one time and in the street. Do you remember that? (laughs) Yeah, it was actually we both lived there already. The first time was on the street. I was driving down the street and I saw you and Kristen Mm -hmm. heading to your friend's bar in the marina. Oh, yeah. The dark black horse. Yeah. And then the second time was at a bank, our bank in downtown in the financial district. Okay. And at that time we like exchanged numbers and I thought, oh, this is a sign I need to reach out. Yeah, so that's wild. I forgot we had both moved there independently. Yeah. We both were living in one town, and then we moved to San Francisco. Like, (laughs) so weird. Like, why would we do that? So, obviously, we have a connection. And then jump two years later, um, was it after 9-11? I moved back from San Francisco, and Corinne was living in Manhattan Beach, and she needed a roommate, and I wanted to rent a room, so... We started living together. And then in that particular apartment is when I met Callista. And uh, so one little funny story about you is Corinne said everybody that was living in the guest room <laughs> I know the story. ended up meeting someone and marrying them. And meanwhile, Corinne was single still. And she's like, that is ridiculous. That room is magic. I need to be in that room, right? Yep, yep. And then and when I moved into the room, that's when I met my husband, so it was a magical room. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So anyway, that's the backstory. And um, so Corinne has the unique perspective of knowing Callista pre-transition and post-transition. Mm-hmm. She also knows me very well. And within two weeks of Callista coming out and telling me her story, her truth, I had already planned a trip with Corinne to go to um, Santorini. She was working a yoga retreat and she asked me if I wanted to come. And I remember thinking, I've got to figure out a way to make this happen. I was a mom and a wife and I didn't have the funds and I didn't know what to do, but I just felt this deep, deep burning desire to go. So I booked the trip. This is before Calista transitioned. <laughs> I told everybody what I was doing, but I figured it out. It was a budget type of a trip. So I was able to, to swing it. And then within uh, you know a short amount of time, Calista's like, here's a surprise. <laughs> I was devastated. And so Corinne was very early on to know what was happening because I said to Callista, I need to tell 
Corinne and Katie because I'm traveling with them and I don't want them to wonder why I'm a hot mess and bursting out into tears occasionally when we're in this magical Santorini Zen yoga place. <laughs> you were so mad at me too for telling you before the trip. Like, you know, I remember you being like, like thinking like you ruined my trip. I remember you saying. I said, no, no, I did not say that. I okay. said, I'm not going to let this ruin my trip. Okay. I'm going to put this in a box and I'm going to set it on the shelf and I'm going to go have a good time. And then when I come back, I will address what's right. happening because I just did not want it to affect me negatively. Right. But from my point of view, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is for people at home, like wondering, like, when is there a right time? Mm. I didn't know if it was better to tell you before you went or after because I felt like I was keeping this secret from you and I wasn't one to keep secrets. Uh, and so I felt like if I tell her then, and I wasn't also thinking like it was going to be as devastating for you as it was, um, it would give you time to sort through everything and not that it was something to, you know, have you burst into tears and, and you know, be devastated by. Yeah. I think that it was, in the end, a good thing that you told her bef before the trip because I feel like you got to do a lot of processing with um, me and Katie, and, and you ended up sharing it with everybody on the trip. Yeah. And um, I remember we did, like, a lot of, um, like, pulling the um, tarot, tarot cards. cards. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we just would stay up, like, for really late just talking about everything and yeah um so to your point it was good for me to be with girlfriends it was good for me to get out of my everyday environment i was concerned that i would fall apart and it would ruin your trip and mm. i did not want to be the bummer buzzkill that ruined everybody else's trip so i was balancing this line of how much do i lean on you for support and how much do i just kind of keep back because I don't want to be have it be all about me. Mm. So the very first night we had a group dinner with right. our yoga leader and several other of the, I think there were 12 people in total, but maybe only eight were there at this particular time. Yeah. And I was, you had said something to me that triggered me and I don't remember what it was, but you said something innocently mm -hmm. and it triggered me and it made me want to burst into tears mm. at the table. And I remember thinking, okay, I've got to say something because none of these other people are going to know why I'm bursting into tears. Yeah. And and so I said, all right, folks, I, I have something I want to share <laughs> at this um, first night's dinner. <laughs> um, I'm going through a, a big situation. My my husband has told me that um, he is she and always has been. And, you know, this, so I, I shared this. And the fascinating and beautiful part of it was that everyone went around the table and took turns and shared something intimate and personal that they don't talk about. Mm, yeah. I was floored in a good way. Yeah. Like, how cool. It just leveled the playing field. It made me not feel like an outcast or an outsider. It made me feel like we all have foibles and problems and things we're not proud of or things that we're struggling with or are a past. And to have everybody kind of just share it and feel safe, it was I got goosebumps right now because it was really magical. And I felt like that was a really great way to start this trip because then we were doing yoga morning and night. We were exercising. We were making homemade sangria in our little Santorini cave of a hotel. And we were reading tarot cards and we would have fun like 
Katie's really fun and she was our travel partner and she um, she's a runner. So, you know, I was always trying to keep up and run with her, but so I was in pretty fit because I was tr always chasing her. It was like the tortoise and the hare. <laughs> but one night we all put turbans on our head to pretend like we were swamis. And we went over to the our new friend, these Russian uh, flight attendants. And we knocked on their door and we were like, we're here to read your tarot. <laughs> and they were like, we have pastries for you. Come in. <laughs> that was fun. It was so much fun. Yeah. Um, you know, but one of the things, I, sorry, I'm kind of going to shift su yeah. subjects here. Uh, you know, Corinne, we thought it would be really interesting to sort of get your point of view um, as someone who knew me before I transitioned and obviously, you know, being close with Jennifer um, yeah. during the period of me coming out. And of course, you know, thoughts and reflections now. So um, when she told me about it, she called me and um, she said, I have something to share um, about Callista and um, I thought she was going to actually say that you came out as gay. <laughs> no, I'm, no, why? Because you're not the first person that said that. Um, I think the, um, there, like, there was a feminine quality about you, mm -hmm. and that's probably all it was. Yeah. Is that there, you had a feminine quality? Um, I wasn't. I don't think I was super shocked. I knew about the uh, video game thing where you were um second life where i played as a woman yes yeah, yes yes i'm sure i've complained about that multiple I'm times sure to friends that. like why is he always playing a game as a girl like i was scratching my head it's so obvious now but i just didn't i couldn't quite put my finger on it yeah i think you brought it up to me once and um so um yeah and then i just always wanted to be supportive of you and I don't know if now's a good time to talk about like the first time I saw you sure. present as uh -huh. a woman. Well, can we add that? So this is Corinne's book, Five Wisdoms. And I think this is what you're going to launch into. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Corinne invited us. To, well, tell us what Five Wisdoms is. And then you can talk about how you invited Calista and I to do that and what that experience was uh -huh. with both of us. So the Five Wisdoms Project is um, a project I did where I interviewed over 300 people and took their photographs and asked them, what are your five rules of life? And I believe I asked Jennifer maybe right away. And then I said, do you think Callista would be interested in being a part? I thought it would be super interesting you know, because of your experiencing, of what you were experiencing in life to hear what your rules were and to interview you. So you agreed and we met at the Abbey in, in West Hollywood uh -huh. because yeah. there was going to be a march that night. Right, yes. Yeah. And like an LGBTQ march or a women's march or it was, what? It was, it was a, gosh. Yeah, it was, I don't even quite remember. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't turn out to be what... We had all thought, but I think Calista was thinking that I could take some great photos of her f for my project. Uh, you know, you were you had the signs, and I could come and take them in this march. Was it like the women's march where they're wearing the pussy hats? No, it was. It this was before that. Yeah. No. Or uh, anyway, it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> A march. But um, so I just uh, I remember meeting you at the Abbey, and you were presenting female and you had not, seen that. You no, had not, seen, I had that not seen that and you just 
it's like you were like this little ball of energy and you were like so excited and so happy and you looked so good. You had like these tight jeans on and these um, knee high boots, knee high, high heel <laughs> boots that you didn't quite know how to walk in. So, um, but you were just, you were like so like confident and happy and you were like, yes, let's go take these pictures. And um, I just didn't feel like I got the the lighting was great that night, but uh, one thing I wanted to bring up too that I, I still feel a little bit embarrassed about is whenever I interview someone, I write their name at the top and I wrote your dead, dead name. name. Uh-huh. I wrote your dead name and I was like, okay, let's do this. And you're like, Callista. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed that I did that. So, And I don't even remember that. Oh, oh that yeah. That was a big deal for you in the beginning was if someone misnamed um, you, the dead named you, you would correct them or your girlfriend would correct them. Absolutely. And um, I think I've definitely relaxed a lot more about that as I have become more confident and accepting of myself because a lot of what happens especially early on um in transition is we're dealing with the fact of like like holy cow like not it, it's it's one thing to think like huh i feel like i've always been a woman it's another thing to put that out to the world mm -hmm. and then you want that validation because you're so fragile mm, in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and, you know, fortunately, I was able to really come down a bit from that and not feel so, um, you know, like I had to be so defensive about it. And, and also just me personally, um, I am have, you know, this... Uh, what I would call a maladaptive behavior of being defensive about things because I so much of my life felt like I had to defend myself, whether it was my masculinity or whatever it was because of my um, insecurity and lack of confidence. But I, I don't even remember that. So you were very nice at the time. Yeah. You weren't upset or anything. You were. You just said Callista, and I said, "Oh, okay. I'm so sorry." Yeah. But yeah. It, but it stuck with you, and it, it did. It did make you feel away. And everybody that has been corrected tells me later it makes them feel away. It makes them feel bad because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Sure. They want to be supportive. But then when they get kind of defensively called out, it makes them go. No, I didn't think you were defensively called. I, I didn't think he was defensive. Actually, it was very like, or she, sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry. She just said, uh, Calista, like it wasn't, it wasn't defensive or anything. That was my I know experience. it's happened with other individuals just people in general in life it's a general comment that if it is said in a defensive way the receiving the person receiving of it course. feels extra bad of course and it sticks with them because if, if they don't want to offend you and it's an accident of course it's like they f feel terrible about sure. dead naming you because nobody wants to be a jerk some people want to be a jerk but nobody that we know no of course <laughs> and, and that's why i say like now it's not even that big of a deal to me because again i don't take it personally I know who I am. I'm secure in my um, sense of self and my femininity and living my life as uh, just another woman. And yeah. so, you know, and this gets into another subject that maybe we'll talk about someday is like, you know, okay, so sort of like in a lot of ways, 
post-transition, at least from a surgical perspective. And so I'm not even thinking in terms of my life about like the next surgery or what I need to do for my own sense of validation. Mm. And it's more like, how do I just now live every day of my life in this sort of normal reality of just being another woman? Well, yeah. you, you hit the nail on the head when you said it's about confidence and feeling good about yourself. So that note is probably more for the person who's just coming out and transitioning and they're not feeling confident remember not only should be gentle with yourself be gentle with others too yeah. and don't jump to the idea that somebody might be against you they might yeah. be for you but they just don't know how to show it yet or they're stumbling too or the i mean i i still feel like sometimes when i think about you i do still say your dead name in my head for some reason well yeah. 17 years yeah. of knowing someone yeah or you know 14 at the time yeah what is the time because i noticed our little timer's not oh, we're working good. yeah we're fine okay yeah so um one so one of the things i wanted to point out is the did the photo that you took of calista in here was that that night at the Abbey no, Road. that's what I was going to say. Oh, reshot is, because uh, here it is. Also, like, we'll have your URL so people can actually oh, okay. see those pictures, like for the podcast and everything. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. Because you're standing in front of this beautiful floral wall and you've got a, the scarf, I think, that I brought you maybe from Santorini. Maybe. I brought you <laughs> this wrap. <funny. laughs> I, I remember buying these wraps. Uh. And I think that was one of them. Yeah. Well, I think that you had had some type of surgery at that point. I'm I not had, sure what. No, I had no, no surgery at that point. Oh. She's just wearing a wig, makeup, clothes, and oh. she's standing in sort of a demure 45 degree angle, which is yeah. always nice and flattering. Because in fact, when I look at that picture, I, it was before I had my um, facial feminization yes. surgery. Oh. So I'm always like, oh, I wish that picture was taken now, oh. you know, because I would love to frame it like Jennifer has, yeah. but because it has my um, face before surgery, yeah. I don't want to, I, you know, when I look at those pictures at the time, I thought, oh my God, I look beautiful. I love myself and all of that. And now I look back and I'm like, ugh. Well, let's take some more pictures. Let's then. do it. I okay. would love to. It would actually be interesting to go and shoot at that same spot. Oh too, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. that is interesting to show kind of a before and after, or definitely a before and after. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So then Corinne also interviewed me at a different time, and she took this picture, which I really like. My hair's really red here, <laughs> like a lighter red. But I love this picture. So um, it, you're a great photographer. Oh, thank you. And the idea that you would ask people what their wisdoms are, I just think is such a neat idea. And it gets people thinking in a very positive way. How would we advise our child or our best friend and ourselves to live life? Yeah. I, um, I'd be curious to like pick one of both of you guys. Do it. I should have done this beforehand. Oh, it's all right. This is a very organic show. Okay, so... If the cat jumps on our shoulder, it'll be just like another episode. <laughs> okay, I just am randomly selecting one of Callista's. Okay. Joy cannot exist without gratitude, nor love without belonging. Find where you belong and practice gratitude daily. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And oh, it's something like makes me tear up. And that it's something I had to learn, um, you know, and that literally came out of before my transition. There were many times when I would go to sleep at night and just wish that I would not wake up in the morning. Mm. And I remember you talking about that. And that always broke my heart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it makes me sad to think about that, too. But to be able to <laughs> and it makes me 
I do. I want to cry because it makes me so happy to wake up every morning now and be thankful and grateful for being alive and being able to know where I belong. Yeah. And and so, yeah, that joy and that gratitude, like it's going all through me. It just yeah. I do. It makes me feel so happy to be alive. Cry. <laughs> You're going to make us all cry. <laughs> That's oh, beautiful. That is, gratitude is such a powerful thing and it's such an easy practice, but often we don't do it. We don't take the time to be grateful. We, we think about what we're lacking or what we wish we had, a bigger car, a bigger house. But really, the small things are everything. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and you know what my girlfriend says um, really hits the point home of what we focus on expands. Mm-hmm. And so... Yes. By focusing on the things that are working in my life versus the few things that may not be working. And, you know, what do we do? We magnify the problems. And so what are we focused on? And so what do we have more of? Fear, scarcity, loss. Anxiety, depression. Yes. All those things love to feed off that. Exactly. Yeah. Every morning um, I do um, like it's called morning pages where I brain dump but at the end I say affirmations and then I say at least three things that I'm grateful for every day and and I like to make sure that one of my gratitudes is about my husband and something in particular and different that I'm grateful from him and I think it just it just helps you appreciate and love people and then more and I, I believe they can feel that, too. Oh, I believe yeah. it. Because if you focus on someone's negative, they feel that. Yeah. And they feel insecure. And then they have little microaggressions and actions because they're feeling defensive. And it's just it exponentially creates a bad yeah. problem. But if you're focusing on the positive, they're going to feel that, too. And you're you're giving someone a little bit of a break. Maybe they did something you didn't like, but you're focusing on the bigger, better picture. And then it all it all just washes out in a, in a nicer end result. Yeah. So let's see what one of Jen's is, her wisdoms. <laughs> okay. I, I picked number four for Calista. So number four of Jen's okay. is life is a roller coaster. Embrace its ups and downs for it means you are truly living. I think that's a great one, too, because you cannot appreciate the good in life. I mean, it's... Without knowing what bad feels like. Exactly. Yeah. And bad and good mean you're living. If you are just flatlining, it means you're not taking chances. You're not taking risks. You're not doing things that take you out of your comfort zone. You're not growing. Mm. So pain and uh, rejection and things that make you feel uncomfortable are learning lessons. And they also can guide you to what ways of being that you don't have to keep continuing that cycle so having a little prick means you're not going to go to that cactus again you, you learn you know sure well you know <laughs> you talk so about the, the you know little you know pinprick from a cactus but also i was thinking about the times when i've hit bottom so hard that my teeth embedded in the cement mm. and it's in those moments when I was able to actually create the change that I needed to in my life. And well, two things. So first of all, we should never make life uh, affirming life, big life decisions from a place of fear. But when we have lost everything, when we feel like there's no reason to continue doing what I'm doing is when we actually do grow and when we do learn how to become better versions of ourselves. So 
to your point, like we need that. We need those moments of despair as unfortunate as they are because they call to us to become better versions of ourselves. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking about the pandemic and how there was so much time spent at home and in a way flatlining not really experiencing new things, not experiencing challenges. I spent a lot of time in bed and guess what? I got depressed and I wasn't growing. And now, yeah, I was baking a lot. (laughs) I didn't make sourdough, but I was this close. I was making every other kind of bread on the planet and I was doing things and trying to be positive at first, but after a while it just got to be draining. And so um, I'm so glad that we are now able to be out and doing and experiencing and having, you know, Corinne here and having help. Um, So anyway, yes, thank you for reading those. And thank you for asking us to do that because it really got us thinking. Yeah. What are our tenants in life? What are the things that make life better that we want to impart to our child and each other? Yeah. Yeah. And also ask the question I want to ask is what's next for you? Like, are you going to do another book or? Um, So I'm... um working on a new project around um, portrait work that's a little bit more conceptual and I want to try to um, you know take pictures of people that really show their authentic self and and really celebrate them in a creative way Uh but I do love interviewing people I love talking to people I love asking questions so I have to figure out is this an extension of the five wisdoms or is it something different cool yeah and you have a website too don't you I do I have a couple websites (laughs) Uh, if you don't want to say them now we can link them in the body but if you want to say them now oh sure fire away um, one website is corinnecobabe.com and the other website is the five wisdoms project Dot com. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we'll link those in the description and make sure that people can find you on the internet, um, as well as, you know, the pictures that we we're showing of ourselves and our wisdoms. Do I have time to just to comment a yeah. little bit more yeah, on sure our do. second yeah, uh, we photo have like shoot? Five minutes. So. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So I said the first time, um, you know, that I, we attempted the photo shoot and you were like this Um, like big ball of energy and so excited and the second time I met you you were a lot more calm still and and confident in a different way how much time had passed I can't remember probably a few months months, yeah but you um even though like uh, the point of our getting together was to take a picture we did a lot of talking and you were educating me and I really appreciated that because you had started training or perhaps you were even working on the suicide hotline Uh and um, I just wanted to thank you for that and thank you both for doing this podcast because you're I think probably helping a lot of people and educating us as well yeah thank you so much I appreciate that yeah Yeah, we do we enjoy doing it and we really do appreciate the comments and the feedback that we get when we try to respond to everybody Mm -hmm. um because this is this is um about exactly as you said making sure that this is honest and raw and um, that people have an opportunity to see an experience that isn't just uh you know, shellacked over as as being like, I don't and know, manufactured, manufactured or and packaged you know. in a way that doesn't deal with the roller coaster of life—the yeah. good, the bad, and everything in between. Yep, exactly. 
Thank you. Yeah, and I'm actually <laughs> really <a> dovetail. <laughs> yes. I'm so impressed with you two as a couple that has broken up. A family. A family that you've kept your family together and it's very impressive. Thanks. Thank you. How your relationship. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate thank that. You. Yeah. Um, so we should wrap up here. Mm -hmm. Corinne, thank you so much for joining us today. It thank was, you for having me. Yeah, yeah really thank great. you. You're the mm -hmm. best. I love you. Love you guys. Um, as always, if you want to see more episodes, please hit that subscribe button. Like and share and comment and join us on Patreon. We would love it. We have our number one patron right here. She was the very first one. <laughs> Speaking of patrons, oh my goodness, thank you for reminding me. We have a very special new patron. Um, I'm going to try to say this name correctly. Davide? Davide. I think. Or Davide. Yeah, we're not sure, but thank you. Thank you for becoming yeah. a Patreon patron and thank you for all of your feedback thank you for your questions your comments you've been really sweet and we are definitely going to incorporate some of the thoughts you have into future episodes so we appreciate you thank you so much yeah um so we'll see you here next time and um jen thanks for letting us use your place oh yeah we're <laughs> in my place today yeah so yeah you're welcome great <laughs> and we'll see you next time bye have a good one bye Thank you for tuning into The Rage. If you haven't done so already, please hit the like, share, and subscribe button now. We truly appreciate all your wonderful support. Find us on social media at The Rage Episodes and leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Want to get more involved? Join us on Patreon. Supporters receive extra benefits as well as access to member-only content. Thanks again and have a beautiful day.